You are out of order. Well, it's all over, including the shouting. From the Kansas News Service, I'm Jim McLean, and this is Statehouse Blend, Kansas. The 2019 session of the Kansas legislature ended in dramatic fashion with a tense standoff over Medicaid expansion and with the approval of a corporate tax relief bill, which it seems clear is headed for the same fate as the previous version, a veto. Again, for the 88th time, I will say that I really do believe that we need to let the dust settle. Lawmakers also passed a budget, one that gives Democratic Governor Laura Kelly money to start fixing problems that festered under former Republican Governor Sam Brownback's cash-strapped administration. We will be uh, restoring some funding to our infrastructure program, our transportation program. Uh, We also will be giving our Department of Children and Families some of the resources that they need uh, to be able to take better care of our most vulnerable children. Kelly got much of what she wanted out of her first session as the state's CEO, but she says not getting health coverage for more low-income Kansans was a big disappointment. And I'm just uh, sorry that 150,000 Kansans have to wait a whole nother year and that Kansas is going to leave close to a billion dollars on the table in Washington, D.C., rather than bringing it back here uh, to invest in our communities and our people. Uh, my announcement is that I think we're going to be around pretty much all day. A coalition and of Democrats and moderate Republicans in the House set out to block passage of the budget until GOP leaders agreed to give the governor's Medicaid expansion bill, which cleared the House in March, an up or down vote in the Senate. And they stood firm for a while at least. Representative Clayton votes aye? No. Is excused. Until GOP leaders dialed up the pressure on the 20 or so moderate Republican holdouts. We start debating this tonight, and what happens? Leadership comes up here and starts threatening. Members like Larry Hibbert, who supports expansion because he's worried, really worried about three struggling rural hospitals in his southeast Kansas district. And he didn't appreciate, in his words, being bullied. You know, we don't allow bullying in our grade schools, in our high schools, in our colleges in our penitentiaries, and we shouldn't be allowing it here. But the pressure worked. The rebellious Republicans eventually fell into line, and Democrats like Newton's Tim Hodge couldn't hide their frustration. We all know what the deal was. We all stayed and a bunch of you strayed. I can't believe we can't stay solid for a few hours while there's 135,000 Kansans out there without health insurance. We could have done this. The turn of events was another in a series of lessons learned for newly minted Democratic Representative Brandon Woodard of Lenexa. While there are many parts of the budget that I'm proud to celebrate, uh, some that are very personal to me, to my district and my community, um, I feel that the people of Kansas lost today. With things at the State House winding to a close, we invited Woodard, one of the first two openly gay members of the legislature, to talk about his first session including his inability to make progress on his priority issue, expanding protections in the state's anti-discrimination law to include LGBTQ Kansans. I'm just curious as to, uh, as to how much that blunted your enthusiasm <laughs> and uh, how difficult is it to accomplish things? It's certainly tough. You know, you get here and you have all these ideas and then you get a bill introduced and your first realization is that, oh, shoot, uh, the chairman doesn't want to have a hearing on my bill. Yeah, yeah that bill that you introduced uh, would have added sexual orientation and gender identity or expression as protective classifications under the Kansas Act Against Discrimination. Right. 
Why was it that that bill didn't even get a hearing? I know you came into the final days hoping you could still make that happen. I had several conversations with the chairman, and, and basically he is very practical and pragmatic. You know, he doesn't like to tackle issues that he doesn't think can pass. And that is, again, a lesson, isn't it, in the it legislative process? Did you get here thinking that that would be a slam dunk? or? Well, of course. I, I hoped that you get here and no one wants to make, you know, discrimination of any kind legal. Uh, I guess it, it already is. But looking at who is on that committee, um, I'm confident we have 10 votes, but it takes 12 to get it to the floor. Uh, are you going to stick with it? I and mean, how hopeful are you that maybe uh, you can get that done next year? I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to keep talking to my colleagues, definitely those who are kind of on the fence and also meeting with the governor's office too to, to hopefully push for this to be a priority next year. Because she signed an executive order at the very beginning of the session that essentially did this in terms of the state workforce. Correct. And I think that we, you shouldn't have to be a state employee to have these protections. Um, I think we need to continue having conversations with the business community. Um, we've had businesses that, because of our current laws on the books, have lost contracts because of um, our stance on LGBT issues. California has banned state-funded travel to Kansas. So, one, I think we have to, of course, protect the LGBT community. They should be able to live and spend their money here and, and work here without fear of, of being fired or denied housing or refused business. Um, but we also have to do this because our businesses want to be able to be competitive and get these bids from states that say currently, no, no go, not with, not with your stance on these issues. Not wanting to be defined by only that issue, Woodard says he has a much more ambitious agenda. I'm a higher ed fundraiser when I'm not in the legislature, and I, part of the reason I ran was because I was really upset with the consecutive cuts to higher education funding. We've made some progress on that this year. But, you know, I also wanted to fully fund public schools. I, I feel that confident that we did that. Um, and wanted to make sure that, you know, we also focus on things like reducing food sales tax. Let's talk about the food sales tax for just a moment because that's been wrapped up in this tax relief issue. The Republicans came into the session really wanting to pass a bill that would mainly provide some pretty substantial tax relief for multinational corporations with operations in Kansas, and uh, we wouldn't tax their overseas earnings. Uh, they also said that they wanted to, because of federal tax changes, restore the ability of some individual Kansas taxpayers to uh, itemize on their on their state income tax returns. But in an effort to entice Democratic votes, they cut the food sales tax by a penny in that bill. Were you at all tempted to vote for it because of that? Well, as I tell my voters back home, you know, we get a push yes or no, which yes usually means 15 things and no means 15 things. Um, until they're going to negotiate in good faith to lower the food sales tax and address tax reform generally, I'm not going to vote for a penny for Kansans while we're giving $140 million to giant multinational corporations just this year alone. It certainly appears that Governor Kelly's not going to yield on this issue. What she wants is a really comprehensive study of the state tax system and is, I think, open to making fairly significant changes based on the results of that study. Is, is that where you are as well? Uh, yeah, definitely. I would agree. And I, I think, you know, we look at the fact that in Kansas for personal or single filers, the highest tax bracket is $60,000. So that someone making $60,000 a year pays the same tax percentage as someone making $6 million a year. I think that we do have to look at another tax bracket. But, you know, I think a study like that, one, helps us understand where we're at in Kansas and where we could go, but also what gets 63 votes in the House and 21 votes in the Senate and the governor's signature. Brandon Woodard, thank you very much for taking some time. Uh, and I'm sure a, a very busy several days for you as this session uh, comes to a close. Thanks a bunch. Yes, thanks for having me. 
lawyers for the state are headed back to the Kansas Supreme Court this week to try and convince the justices to sign off on the bipartisan school funding plan that Governor Kelly recently signed into law. And later this month, lawmakers will return to Topeka for one last ceremonial day of the session. Some call it Synodia. Others say Synodai. Synodai. The Senate stands adjourned Synodai. Synodai. Synodia. Either way, it's Latin for without days. Usually nothing happens on that day, but this year could be different. Senator Ty Masterson, a conservative Republican from Andover, wants to force a vote on a constitutional amendment, one that would reverse the recent landmark ruling by the state's high court that said the right to abortion is embedded in the Kansas Constitution. Then it's on to the summer time that lawmakers will use to craft compromise legislation that next year could finally put an end to the seemingly endless debate over Medicaid expansion. This is Statehouse Blend Kansas in Topeka. I'm Jim McLean. Statehouse Blend Kansas is a production of the Kansas News Service, a collaboration of public radio stations across the state, from Garden City to Lawrence. I'm Amy Jeffries, editor of news and podcasts, including this one. There's much more news about the legislative session that was, including a listicle recap of what lawmakers did and didn't do at ksnewsservice.org. If you like Statehouse Blend, tell your friends and leave a lot of stars. Nameless dancers unintentionally made our theme song, Warm Evening, which we found in Free Music Archive.